Hey everyone, welcome to City Church OTR's Sermons Podcast. Here you will find all of the sermons and teachings that are given at our Sunday services. We also have our original City Church OTR podcast, which has more conversations, interviews, and more interactive content. As always, we would love to meet you. Check out our Instagram to see what we're doing this week and our website, citychurchotr.com, to meet one of our pastors. Enjoy. Um, I wanted to start just with like a little story. I read this this week and I thought it was relevant. Um, there is this restaurant, family restaurant in New Jersey, that uh, one of the cooks, it's a family, so like all tight-knit, but one of the cooks got COVID and obviously other people started to get it or other people had to start get test, getting tested. And so this family restaurant was about ready to shut down because they just didn't have enough staff um, to at least serve out in the, the lobby. And, uh, and right before they shut down, their neighbor, which is a barber shop, just their neighbor in, in the commercial strip center that they were in, said, hey, we'd love to help. And so barbers started coming over to like serve food so the servers could go back and do the, the cooking so that the restaurant could stay up because they just didn't think they could make it through like another shutdown. And, uh, and I was reading that. It was on like goodnews.com or something, which should now be all of our trusted source for <laughs> news. At least in 2021, we deserve this. But uh, I was reading it, and I was like, that is absolutely amazing. Uh, it was so cool to see the art of neighboring being done really well. And I wanted to open at least with that quick story. One, because we need some good news. Like, we really need some news that is encouraging. And as I start preaching on tongues and prophecy right now, I wanted you to remember not all 30 minutes of this were really weird and uncomfortable. There was at least one minute right at the beginning where you felt something warm in your spirit, Okay. So don't go home and say the whole thing was uncomfortable, that guy was weird. No, you had at least one minute of like a glimpse of normalcy. And I'm seeing like new people here, some people I don't know, like I'm even a little nervous, like okay, we wanted to do this, and even Tuesday, I called Tyler and I was like, I felt boldness to preach on this last week, I don't feel that same boldness today, and I was like, I was asking the Lord and I was asking him, like remind me, why is this important, why do we need to talk about this? And, and I felt like, as I was just studying again, the Lord and Paul, the Apostle Paul who wrote 1 Corinthians, reminded me, like, actually, this is a big deal for the church. And, uh, and I think the reason he addresses both of these in such length in one chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, is because, of course, tongues are like one of the most divisive, confusing topics in the church. And prophecy, I would say, actually, is one of the most important. I mean, what we just like heard in that interview was a prophetic word that Ben heard like from himself. And so we have to be a church that pairs both the word, amen, the word and the prophetic, the hearing God's voice. And this happens through having a good relationship with the Bible. And, and so as I was studying this this week, I was getting into it and I felt, I read through uh, just one guy's commentary and he said, the reason this is important is the same reason that we love nurseries and we don't like to go to graveyards. But he said, why is that? He said, nurseries are almost always messy and graveyards are almost always tidy. And in thinking about that, it's a little messy, but we want to be the kind of church that is around life, not death. We want to pursue life and oftentimes life, especially with us, is a little bit messier than if we just hung out in a graveyard and it's clean and it's tidy and it's well manicured, but there's no life there. 
And so that's my little preamble. We're gonna tell, I think it's gonna be really good. It's gonna be a lot of good information and I'm really hoping to bring some like demystification around maybe like one of the biggest questions in the church. But I want us to keep that overarching like this is worth it because this is life. Like we wanna be in a church that's messy if it's like going after the fullness of life even though sometimes it's just easier to be around something that's nice and tidy. So, uh, homework, because I'm going to basically read all of 1 Corinthians 14. I think I gave you guys homework last week, so I know you all faithfully did it. Homework this week is like read through 1 Corinthians 14, because I'm going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read this part, then that part, then this part, and it's not going to seem like one complete whole chapter because I'm just pulling pieces based on what we're talking about. Um, But we're going to start with with tongues, so maybe one of the more divisive things in the church, and I'm going to read that classic, classic um, charismatic passage, Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, and, uh, and so it says, this is the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, they being the disciples. Suddenly, like, a, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And this is a big deal, like this word in verse 4, this word all, this was a big deal because that's not how the Holy Spirit operated in the past. That's not how the Holy Spirit operated in the Old Testament or what they would just call like 100 years ago. That's not how, because he used to come to one person at one time, for one specific task. And we read in Acts 2 for the very first time that the Holy Spirit came to all people. And this is one of the the outworkings of the new covenant that Jesus has now come. And now we all have the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the other kind of strange thing is they started to speak in tongues. They started to speak in languages that they didn't know. And, uh, And this was supernatural. This wasn't like quick Rosetta Stone, they just learned it in the upper room. This wasn't like the Aramaic immersion program. Like, they did not know the languages, and then they knew the languages. Actually, they just started speaking, and they were speaking the gospel in another language. And so we have this example in Acts 2. We go a few years later, or eight chapters over, just flip to the right. You go to Acts 10. This is a big deal for anybody in here that's not Jewish, because this is the first time the gospel comes to a non-Jewish crowd. And, uh, and as a non-Jewish person... I'm a huge fan of this, okay? I'm so thankful that the gospel didn't just stay there, but it spread all over the world. So in Acts 10, the same, things hap- same thing happens. Holy Spirit comes, it's manifested in tongues. Acts 19, same thing. They're way up in Greece. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes, and it manifests in tongues. And so I want to start, quick, hot take, big statement. In order to be saved, we believe that you must speak. Actually, did I miss something? Did I, let me check my, did I tell you guys the barber thing? Did I tell you the barber story? Yeah, okay. So I know I was in the middle of a, obviously, this is hilarious for me. In order to be saved, we believe that you must speak the name of Jesus. It's very clear, there is no evidence that tongues is salvific, because there's 19 other stories in the book of Acts, thank you Luke, there's 19 other stories in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit comes, and we don't specifically see that tongues is a manifest of that. And so, This is a big issue because some people say, oh, not true, that's for the past, it went away when the Bible went away. No. 
And also some people say, no, this is the most important thing. In order to have the Holy Spirit, this is the manifestation. And we see 19 out of 22 times. That's not necessarily the case. So this is not a salvific, a salvation issue. And I believe that this is one of the enemy's favorite tools in the church, although politics are rising, one of his favorite tools in the church to divide it, where we start to get divisive and we start to cut and look at different things. And man, that's not going to be the case here. That's not, we're just going to say no to that in Jesus' name. This is not going to be something that divides. I know that there's probably people here that have done this before and probably most of us that have not. And so this is worth looking at because it's in scripture and Paul seems to make a big deal out of it. But this will not, in Jesus' name, this is not going to be something that divides the church or even causes weirdness because apparently this was important enough to bring the church together. So I'm going to go through first tongues, then prophecy. Last week we did healing and miracles. And and I did a little preamble last week of how the Holy Spirit comes, a little theology like intro into how the Holy Spirit comes in a supernatural way. And I'm not going to do that this morning. Uh, I would say if you didn't listen last week, um, I'd go back and maybe listen to that first 15 minutes. I promise I'm not just trying to like bump up my plays. I have no idea how to even check it. So, uh, but that was a good intro into like how God comes supernaturally. But I want to talk and do a little bit of demystification around this idea of tongues. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 12.10, and I think this first thing uh, that's in your notes, or second thing, is probably going to take away about 90% of the questions. And, uh, and it says in Acts 12.10, uh, and this is also in your notes, it's in Scripture that there are various types of tongues. And when we start to treat all of these different rules for these different types as one big thing, that's where it gets a little bit confusing. And so the big thing that we, I don't hear talked about a lot, but there's actually different types of tongues, and it comes from 1 Corinthians 12 and a few other passages. And what a tongue is, it could have been translated language, it probably would have made our job a lot easier, it's like way less creepy, but what it is, it's a form of prayer or praise in a language that you do not understand. It's a form of prayer or praise in a language that you do not understand. So I'm going to go through those various types of tongues. I and most people that are way smarter than me say there are four that you can see in scripture and they're smarter than me so I really want to trust them but I'll be honest I see three specifically and this fourth one seems to like lump into that third and so just because I, I really do take this serious I'm not going to say like well, I'm assuming I'm right I see three very distinct types and then a fourth that I think is lumped in and so the first type and we're going to go through these first two very quickly um, not because they're not relevant but because they're not often what happens in church. But number one, we've already read about it, earthly languages. Sometimes the gift of tongues manifests itself in earthly languages. So Acts 2.4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this is a public sign. This is like a public use of tongues. And what happens, and what we see in Acts 2, is they start to speak in it, but it's a language they did not know, but now somebody else is understanding. And what they were hearing was actually the good news of Jesus. So they were hearing the gospel preached to them. And this is a big, big like public sign because it's used often for like evangelism. It says later in Acts 2 that they were utterly amazed and then 3,000 came to faith in Jesus. And, uh, and I want to come in like humbly on this. I want to uh, just remind you like we're all on a story or all on an adventure with the Holy Spirit. I've never seen this happen. I believe it. I like know lots of people that I really trust that have done it or that have seen it happen, but I'm not coming in like, hey, you guys need to get with it. I'm like way ahead of you. Like, I've not seen it. And, uh, and Lord willing, someday I will. Yeah. 
but that type one, earthly languages. Type two, heavenly languages, different but similar. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 27, uh, Paul says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three, should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should be quiet, and the church uh, should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Now, when we hear a lot, and maybe you're new to church, and if so, like, <laughs> please come back next week. It's so weird. Um, I think we're normal. I really promise that we're normal. But if you're not new to church, you've probably heard people talk about this, and it's like, that can't happen because there's no interpretation, and we get really up in arms about it because the word says it. And what Paul's talking about here in that context is heavenly languages. So this is not another earthly language. This is something uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, probably missed it, but you've been to all the weddings. Uh, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, angels good point, that's that heavenly, that angelic language. It's that language that nobody else understands, at least not here on earth. And this is also public, but if that first one was for unbelievers, I've got a tongue going on right now. If that first one was for unbelievers, this one's for the church. And the way this manifests is somebody gives it, and they don't know what they're saying, but there's an interpretation of that. Um, so let me, let me give you an example. Uh, Paul says, look, you can't just do that and then just walk away. Like, you can't just give a tongue and then walk away because that actually edifies nobody. He's like, everybody just heard you babble. So, for example, me amo Shakira, mis caderas no mienten. How many of you were edified by that right now? Are you encouraged? Are you feeling that well up in your spirit? No, of course not. That's me in Spanish saying, my name is Shakira and my hips don't lie. It's the only thing I was scraping around this morning. Who knows another language? Nobody did. And I was like, I know a phrase. And, uh, but of course, that was edifying to, thank you, I'll be here all week. Uh, that was edifying to nobody. I mean, even if you spoke Spanish, it's not edifying. But let's say it was like the gospel and the, the wonders of Jesus. Still not edifying for most of us in here because there was no interpretation. And so that's the example where Paul's like, hey, this church was wild. Corinth was like wild. And Paul's saying, look, if this is going to happen, like we need to have some kind of edification for it. Uh, again, I've never done this because uh, I'm not counting what I just did right there. I've never done this before. I've seen it happen. Uh, the church that I used to go to, like Catherine and I went to before we started here in Cincinnati, uh, the pastor got up, one of the pastors, and got up and said, look, this is going to be weird, but I feel like I'm supposed to give a tongue, and he did it, and then I watched somebody else stand up and I say, I believe this is what God is saying, and it was amazing. It was awkward, a little awkward, but it was amazing, and it was amazing to see them submit to the process of how that's supposed to happen, and so number one, earthly languages, number two, heavenly languages, this, you know, we can talk way more about this, and I'd love to, these two we just don't see a whole lot of. But that does not mean that they're not real. And, and I'd love to see anything that the Holy Spirit has. It's my commitment, our commitment, we're all in for it. So if you feel like you've got a tongue and you want to give it from stage, like first you should talk to one of us, I'm still going to be a little bit awkward. And I'm still going to be a little bit skeptical. But if the Holy Spirit's moving, we want to be a part of that. Just watch me get like really pale when you tell me that's what you want to do because oh, I don't want to do it wrong. But so these first two, again, we don't see a whole lot of. Number three, and this is maybe the most common, the more common, it, it's what I'll call and what Paul calls um, a prayer language or praying in the spirit. So in 1 Corinthians 14, 14 to 15, he says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I shall pray with my spirit, 
but I shall also pray with my understanding. Now, if the first two are public, this is private. This is for the edification of yourself, and it's to God. It's a prayer, so you're praying to God. The first two are actually for the church or for unbelievers. This one is just for you. In Jude 20, um, which I know we've all read that probably this week, Jude 20, he says you should be always praying in the Spirit, and it's for the building up of your body. And, uh, and I, so when I was in college, I've told the story of like, I saw my first miracle and I was like, I'm all in. And I got just super hungry for the things of God and the things of the Spirit. And so I started going anywhere that I felt like the Holy Spirit was moving. And it led me once um, to a friend's house and he had some people over and he's like, hey, we're going to just have a worship night. And at this worship night, uh, somebody was like, hey, if anybody wants to receive a prayer language, um, we're going to go after that. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. I've read about it. I've like studied all these scriptures, and I was like, I want that. And so uh, we started to pray, and we started to go after that. And um, I remember what was amazing. Everybody started to pray in tongues, except for me. <laughs> and, uh, and it was awkward. And I was like, that's okay. It's fine. It's a private gift. They're probably lying about it. I, I'll get it in private. <laughs> and so the next morning, woke up because I stayed the night at my friend's house, and uh, I was like, hey, Rob, let's, let's go after this again. And we started to pray, and nothing happened. I was like, all right, cool, cool, yep. Uh, maybe it'll just happen later. And six months, I mean, in and out of like, oh, I want this, I don't need it, that's not real, yeah, I would really like to have it. Six months later, I'm driving my car, listening to worship music, just going after it, because uh, I am a worship leader, you just don't know it yet, Jalen hasn't put me on team. <laughs> But I kill it in the car, and I'm going after, about wreck my car, because all of a sudden, the faucet was unlocked. And again, believe me or don't, but I just started to pray in the Spirit. And that was probably 10 years ago, and I would say most days of my life, I, I do this. It's a part of my, like, personal time with the Lord. I know you think I'm crazy, or you're like, hey, amen. But it's a big part of my life. Also, it doesn't, like, give me superpowers when I do it. I don't, like, become an Avenger get super strong, stronger than I already am. Uh, I, like, nothing's, like, crazy happened. My eyes don't roll back in the back of my head. It's just I feel my spirit being welled up inside of me, and I, I, I feel it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. my spirit just stops praying at times. It's like, okay, we've said enough. But it's, it's a huge gift that I think is worth going after because Paul says, I wish all of you prayed in tongues. He said, I wish all of you would uh, speak in tongues. And so this is the one that doesn't need an interpretation because it's just between you and God. And you're doing it in your personal time. Now, part four that I'm not going to talk about a ton, somebody said uh, there's an intercession tongue. I actually think it's the same as that one I just said, but people way smarter than me disagree, so I'm skeptical to say that I'm right. But in Romans 8.26, it talks about how the Spirit intercedes with us with wordless groans. And, and so there's this thought that there's another thing that's an interceding. Um, I think that it's actually paired right there with that prayer language, but you can choose who you want to believe. All the, like, really smart scholars are, are me. Um, or God. <laughs> and God, amen. So here's my personal belief, and this will be like a little bit of a, of a hot take, I would say, actually, is, you know what? It's very clear. It's very clear that the first two kinds of tongues are spiritual gifts that come at a certain time to a certain person. Um, and Paul says, hey, do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And he's talking about that like heavenly language thing. And he says, no. He says, do all heal? No. Do all have gifts of healings? No. I do see evidence because Paul also says, look, the prayer language is the thing that builds up your spirit, edifies you. And he says, I wish all of you did that. 
And so I believe that actually anybody that has the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is anybody who follows Jesus, has access to um, a prayer language. It's my, it, it's, it's believe what Paul is saying. And, uh, and again, you can disagree or you can say, hey, maybe I'm in for that. And so I, I know I would love uh, after this or later, we can talk more about it, or we can like go after that. Uh, and yesterday that happened. Like we had this come Holy Spirit event and it reminded me again, not that I was going to change my sermon on a Saturday, but it reminded me again, this is why this matters. This is why the Holy Spirit matters because God started to break in and encounter people and he started to move in people and people started to pray in the spirit or they started to get their first prophetic word and it's unbelievable, unbelievable. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, he says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather you prophesy. And so we want to talk about the first thing because it's important and it's a little bit messy. But we want to talk about the second thing because Paul says, no, 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 you know, tongues, that's great. Uh, but I wish all of you would, I wish your church would helpfully and healthfully prophesy. I wish the prophetic was more a part. And so this is the big one. This is the big thing that we in our church want to say, yeah, like we want to hear God, not just through his word, but it's got to start there. But we also want to hear God on behalf of other people. We want to have a healthy prophetic culture. And so the way I'll define prophecy, this is in your notes, is words from the Father's heart that are meant to be shared to strengthen, comfort, and encourage. Strengthen, comfort, and encourage. So these are going to be words that always push you to Jesus and usually encourage you. Okay, this isn't like Old Testament, but there's going to be times where you might get a prophetic word and say, ooh, that stings a bit with conviction. Because sometimes the prophetic uh, is used to strengthen or to, to bring you closer to Jesus, but that's not always something that's going to feel good. But usually, God's a very encouraging God, and he wants to bring you closer to his heart, and he doesn't do it through condemnation. He does it through words like son, like I love you. And these are the things that draw us near. And so I want to talk about what the prophetic or what prophecy is, um, but first I want to say what it's not, because that's going to probably eliminate way more in our minds. So the prophetic because it says in Acts 2, the Spirit came on all people, so we all have access to the prophetic, because we all have access to the Holy Spirit. But uh, giving a prophetic word, uh, being prophetic, does not make you a prophet. It does not make you a prophet. That is something different, uh, and the, the operation of a prophet is something very specific. However, just like we all have access to read the Bible, we have all, all have access to pray, we all have access to the prophetic if the Holy Spirit is inside of us. But it does not make you a prophet, uh, prophecy is not just scary end times uh, predictions. Uh, it could be, but I feel like we've got enough of them bouncing around. Um, so prophecy is not just scary end times predictions. It's not fortune-telling oracles. It's like witchcraft. And prophecy never, because it's always done in humility, it never brings shame to someone. It might bring conviction. But if, if I felt like the Lord said, hey, Catherine hasn't read her Bible in two years, and I delivered that prophetic word right now, that's so shaming. She has seen her. But it's never going to be something where it shames or exposes other people in a way that brings condemnation. What prophecy is are the parts of like a prophetic word. Uh, it's three parts. Revelation, interpretation, and application. So as we start to like operate in this or you start to hear God, there's often going to be uh, two or three of these. Revelation, so here's what I saw. Here's what I heard. Uh, interpretation, Here's what it means. And then application, here's what to do. 
And uh, and a prophetic word, I gave this example yesterday, but a prophetic word could be like, uh, you know, I I saw an elephant in a flower field. Okay, that's revelation. That's not useful on its own. So, okay, Lord, what does that picture mean? Let's say I'm I'm getting it for Layla. Okay, what does that mean for Layla? Um, and, And the Lord says, don't stomp out beauty. It's like, okay, okay, that's a good word, good word. I uh, know, I just made this one up yesterday, and it's not true, not for you. Uh, and it's like, okay, so what's this mean for her? And, you know, she's, and maybe the Lord will speak something. But I've found that he's never just going to do, like, application. That's usually just advice. He's not usually just going to do revelation, where he's like, here's a picture, just share it with him. But it often is only two, or maybe all three, where he's like, he says that, Okay, don't stomp out beauty. Hey, Layla, I was praying for you, and I felt like the Lord gave me a picture of an elephant with a flower field. I know it's weird. Um, but, and the Lord said, don't stomp out beauty. Does that mean anything to you? And we share that because it's very possible, because the Holy Spirit is not just in me, but also in her, that she's like, oh my gosh, elephants are my favorite animal. And how'd you know that like the flower field is where I used to go at my grandma's house? And it's crazy. So many stories, so little time. But it's crazy how often God uses the Holy Spirit that he has in more than one person. You don't have a monopoly on that. And he uses it to encourage not just the hearer, but also the listener. Um, One of, I mean, the prophetic has deeply shaped my life, like deeply, like I feel like I'm in Cincinnati because of prophetic words that either I've heard for us or we've heard um, or people have prayed over us. Uh, One of our old worship leaders in Vegas, as we were really praying about Staying or leaving, she, uh, she loves Harry Potter, but she got a picture of a train, and she's like, Chris, I see like the train, and it's leaving the station, and he's sending you somewhere else. And she didn't think we were going to leave the city, and so she's like, yeah, just receive that. And I'm like breaking down, because I'm like, I didn't know if we were supposed to move here or not. And ironically, she's one of the most sad people that we left. Um, but it was a confirming prophetic word of like, oh my gosh, we need to come here. Oh my gosh, this is like what he's doing. And uh, one of the craziest times I've seen the prophetic just vastly change a life is uh, a few years ago, we were having a worship night. And uh, I was just worshiping behind, and these friends of ours, this couple, were sitting in front of me. And uh, they'd been trying to have kids for a long time. And then they entered, they had just like that day or that week, entered the foster care uh, system. And I was standing behind them, and I was like, oh, man, I just feel for them. And uh, and I felt like the Lord immediately, because they were trying to foster like one kid, and, uh, and they said it's probably going to be like six to 12 months before they get any kid. And I'm standing behind them, and I'm praying, and I feel like, I mean, just in letters, like double trouble, and I just saw double trouble over them. I'm like, okay. And I kept, I, I just kept hearing double trouble, double trouble, double trouble. And I'm like, all right, Lord, revelation, what's the interpretation? What does that mean? And, uh, and I'm going to later tell you that this might not be a good idea, but I'll tell you what I did. You don't usually prophesy uh, births, but I felt like the Lord said, uh, I'm going to give them two. Okay? They only want one, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to give them two. And I was like, okay, so what are they supposed to do? Application. I got nothing. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, I'll be faithful. And so I went up to Kyle and Cassie, and I was like, guys, this is crazy. I don't know, but I was like, I feel like the Lord, I just keep seeing double trouble. And... Uh, and I was like, also, I feel like, and maybe I don't know how it's going to, I started to kind of explain it a little bit, I was like, I feel like the Lord's going to give you two, and I should have just stopped talking, but I just kept talking a little, and I was like, 
I don't, maybe you're going to get one in the foster care, or maybe you'll get pregnant after that. I was like, I don't know. But I said, I feel like the Lord's saying he's going to give you two, and I stepped away. And so I delivered just the first two. And uh, we were like, the next day, we were going to Europe, because uh, we'd never been, and we wanted like a two-week vacation. So the next day, we go to Europe, and we land, like 24 hours later, we land in Munich, and I get an email that Cassie and Kyle, that day, uh, twins were born, and that they were, uh-oh, they were offered those twins to foster. And, but they were only looking for one, you know, one crib, one this, one that. It's all one. And between the thing that I had said and a few other people, I mean, it wasn't just me, that had given them a word about two, double, two, they said yes. And uh, that was three years ago. And so it changed the life of four people. The prophetic, this is how the prophetic almost rearranges the direction that things are going. And Cassie and Kyle are happy because they have two beautiful kids and these twins who they might have originally said no to if it was not for the prophetic word of God breaking into their life. These two kids now have like the most amazing parents. And so we don't just want the prophetic because, again, it's a cool bar trick. Like we want the prophetic. We want God's voice because he actually changes things. It actually changes the course of lives and it changes the course of history. And so I want to, I, I don't want to end with like the negative stuff, but I do want to say we're going to go after this. This is worth it as a church for us to go after, but there are some good rules to like remember as we prophesy. One, you are not God. <laughs> say it with me. You are not God. I am not God. You are not God. Therefore, what you say is not equal to scripture. So do not say, do not say God says with your delivering a prophetic word. Do not say that. I will find you. Do not say God says. Instead, and you can steal this, I don't have this copyrighted, what I say when I feel like I hear the Lord is, I feel like the Lord is saying. Okay, so there's enough in there because, point two, you can be wrong. You can be wrong. I, uh, got, I told this story yesterday, but I got this crazy prophetic word when Catherine and I were in L.A. for this waitress. It was amazing. It was like one of the first times I'd ever done that before, and it was just spot on. And a couple weeks later, I'm in the gym, and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, like, hyper-prophetic. And I'm in the gym. It's just an apartment gym. Me and uh, another guy are in this small place. And uh, I feel like the Lord says something about his job, like that there's something going on with his job that's not good. So I go up to him. I'm like, what's up, bro? Uh, you benching? And uh, I was like, hey, I feel like the Lord is saying um, that maybe there's something going on with your job. Like, did you just lose your job? And the guy looked at me, and he was like, no. I love my job. Cool. Yeah. So you like need a spot or what's going on? <laughs> I, I was totally wrong. I've been wrong before, but I've also been right. And I'll tell you, it's worth it to be right to have those awkward moments in the gym where it's like, I just heard wrong. So number two, you can hear wrong. Number three, I'm going to say don't do it or be very, 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 very careful and do it with such gentleness. Don't prophesy mates, dates, and births. Don't tell someone who they're going to marry. Like, hey, I think I see your spouse over there and she's great. Bad idea. I don't, want to, I, don't want to, I don't want that on me. Uh, also, I want to make sure that, like, that's a big deal. That's, you know, that's something we don't want to miss on. Uh, births, super hurtful to people that are trying to get pregnant. Hey, I see that you're going to get pregnant in, like, 10 months. Super hurtful. And dates. Thank you. Don't, <laughs> just, I mean, you're just setting yourself. False religions have been started on. Jesus is coming back on. Okay, let's just stay away from that one. Again, if you really feel it, really be careful. Number four, a prophetic word. It's not like prophetic hot potato. We don't just get it and give it to somebody. We need to also ask not just the what, but the when and the how. How am I supposed to deliver this and when? Because the when matters. 
And number five, this might sound familiar, you are not God. You are not God. And, uh, and the band can come up. I want to end with this. Because this is, you know, this stuff's weird. Let's just be honest. It's a little weird. But I want to end with, I want this for us. If I'm honest, like, because we're such a new church, like, it's not even like, oh, we got to change our culture. Like, we're just forming it. But I got to be honest, I and we really want more of the Holy Spirit. And, and if that means it's going to be a little uncomfortable at times, guys, this is our church. Like, don't think that this is just an edict coming down from, like, Chris and Tyler. Like, we have a decision. Do we want to be a church that messes around in the mess of the nursery where life is? Or are we more comfortable just saying that stuff is for another church? We'll leave it over there. And guys, I believe that it's worth it. I believe that the prophetic especially can change the course of lives and history and encourage us in ways that we would have never imagined. I also believe that tongues, when done correctly, actually is a gift of God because the Bible says it's a gift of God. And so it's worth it to go after both of those things. And if you want this, like I know there's going to be people praying back there. Um, there's going to be people, uh, Catherine and I back there, Brandon and Tyler back there. Um, if you want to like pray about this stuff, we want to do that. Like it's worth it to go after and it's worth it to engage in the Holy Spirit in this way. And I get it. It's weird. It's, it's a little unusual. But aren't you glad, and I just want to remind us, aren't you glad you don't quite understand everything about God? Like, I don't understand everything about God. But if I did, that would put me at the same intellect level as him. And that would be scary. I'm so thankful that I serve a God that's big enough and maybe weird enough, or I'm the weird one, that I just don't quite get it all. But he's still worthy of our praise, and he's still worthy of our worship. And so, of course, these things are available. We want to pray for these things. If you just want somebody to listen on your behalf, we want to do that. But we want to engage and worship a God who is big, who is unfathomable, and that's worthy of our worship even when we don't fully understand him. So let's do that.